what are the means of you accomplishing that goal now? Like, how, how are you doing that now? If I can help you accomplish those goals because you're not, or I can help you accomplish them faster because you already are, are you open? If they're open, I'm opposed to solution. I'm, I'm not here to, I'm not here to, to be a salesman. I'm here to pose a solution to a problem. You are listening to The Millionaire Talk Show with Charles Oglesby. We're going to be millionaires. And we're interviewing proven millionaires who've built their wealth in real estate, sales, marketing, branding, and other areas by betting on themselves. And now, here's your host, Charles Oglesby. Oglesby. Millionaire Talk Show. My name is Charles Oglesby, also known as Child Millionaire. With us today, we have the brother Hassani Houston. He's from the Bay Area. He specializes in infinite banking, leveraging your assets. And using the same dollar twice, which is actually something we never talked about on this podcast before, is the concept of infinite infinite banking. So you guys are definitely going to be in for a, a treat. If you're somebody who listens to this podcast, we got something new. So welcome to the show, man. Yes, yes. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. I appreciate it very much. So the first question we always ask people is, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Absolutely, man. Um, so I've actually been in the insurance and investment industry since December 2008. And uh, it's funny because the way I came into the industry was um, basically I played football. I thought I was going to become an NFL player. And in 2008, I graduated college and my family and I did everything we were supposed to do. My mom got her master's. My dad got his bachelor's. I got my bachelor's. But of course, when 2008 hit, um, none of that mattered. None of that mattered. Simply put, my dad ended up having a heart attack and lost his job. My mom was selling real estate at the time and she stopped selling houses, nursed my dad back to health. So our family went from over a quarter million dollars to $30,000 a year. My parents lost their investment properties. They lost their retirement funds. So that propelled me into the industry just to learn more about money so I could help fix my family situation. And then from there, it just kind of grew into, you know, helping other people as well. So we also asked people what was life growing up. You kind of alluded to it, but I mean, what was life like growing up when you're going through all this? Um, I mean, it seems like you guys are living a, a relatively like upper middle class lifestyle for most of your mm-hmm. life. Like, what was that like? What, what activities were you involved in? How did that grow your development? Yeah, um, I would say that my parents were very conscious of, of getting us involved in extracurricular activities that had to do with uh, being able to speak, being able to express yourself um as well as sports so so we I, I i did all kind of stuff like a fun fact about me is uh i bell race in a rodeo and, and and i got a blue ribbon like i didn't just participate i won you know i just want to throw that out there you know <laughs> so so that that's the kind of stuff that um uh my parents was about you know giving us uh giving us unique experiences um and creating memories so i i, I would say they succeeded at that and then when we went through that transition, it was more so of just of just living out the principles they were teaching us. Uh, I'm the oldest of three. And, and and from, you know, from my standpoint, everything that made us work was the fact that we put family first. Yeah. So for us to even survive through the situation we survived through, uh, not in and scary enough, the financial part wasn't the worst part. It was my dad's health. We almost lost him. So, so with God's grace, he's still around today. But the biggest challenge we faced was the fact that my dad wasn't supposed to be here. I mean, the 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 the, the doctor had no bedside manners. He's like, "What do you want to write on your father's tombstone?" 
Well, actually, he said that to my mom. He said, what do you want to write your husband's tombstone? So I stepped in, got her out the way. And, you know, I told the dude, like, look, either you're going to talk proper or you're going to get a fist in your mouth. But from this point forward, you're going to talk to me, not to her. Because, you know, she's already distraught because my dad was her soul or is her soulmate. Excuse me. He's not gone. But um, uh, so I would say that we were just tested to see, do we really believe in what we were taught? And and uh, I would say that is the epitome of life from what I've seen. And what in my personal experience, what I would say is you have parts of life that's going to give you a foundation and then you're going to have parts of life that's going to test that foundation to see if you truly believe it. Mm. And um, when you come out that storm and you stand by those foundational principles, you feel better about yourself and you grow from it. And if you don't, then you got some learning to do. Yeah. Um, what did the early days of your career look like? I mean, you graduated around the same time that I graduated, which was into a recession mm-hmm. um, with a degree. Um, what was your degree in? Uh, business management. <laughs> right. So like with a business degree. Um, yeah. It's not the most in-demand field at that time. Not what did all. that look like for you? Uh, nobody wanted to hire me. Nobody wanted to hire me. Nobody cared about my grades. None of that stuff. Um, uh, but let me also be honest. I did not graduate college advertising myself as a top-notch employee. I My plan was to go into the NFL, then make money and go purchase a business. That was my plan. So I didn't give a damn about a job. But situations call for you know different different plans. And so long story short, coming out, I didn't really have too many people offering me uh, um, jobs. I wasn't really well connected like I should have been. Um, and and then on top of all that, you know, when you, my family was in real estate, so I was talking about getting into real estate. But then at that specific moment, because of what was going on with my dad, they were like, nah, don't do it. So I went ahead, got a job at Enterprise, rent a car for 30 grand a year. You know? Yeah, man. Yeah. So that that that's 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 what that transition was like for me. How, how um, long did you work at Enterprise? Nine months, and I was really angry for, for a majority of the time because they, they work you like crazy there, man. They do, they do, and and you know, I was angry because I went to school to to graduate to make thirty grand a year, and people were telling me I should be grateful. I'm like, I could have I could have made this without college. Like, I don't think you understand. So uh, that's the first part. And I, and, I, and I was in the Silicon Valley. They told me 30 grand is, a year is awesome, not knowing that uh, my mom came from the tech industry at first and she made 180 on accident, right? Then when she started getting hired into a career, she started touching the 200s plus. Uh, and then my dad did transportation management, you know? So I'm like, nah, this, this is not new to me. I'm the 30,000. Uh, my, my boss said, if you work hard like me, someday you'll make my money. And he's been at the company 10 years. And he was making one hundred ten thousand dollars. <laughs> it's like that. The same for me, bro. Right. Right. It's like one day you'll make a. You work 10 years and you'll make one hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, man. So I'll say this. I'm grateful for the experience. I learned from it. But I'm I'm glad it's gone. Yeah. That's just it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Coming so into you- insurance, though, I never thought I would be a salesperson, though. Let me let me, let me say that. So that, that was an oh. interesting transition. When did you decide to get into entrepreneurship? Um, basically, coming into entrepreneurship was more so of a, um, again, because of the situation that happened with my parents, uh, me being the oldest, feeling like it was my responsibility to take care of the rest of the family. I, I was just looking for a way to make more money. And so I worked at Enterprise for six months at that time. No, five months at that time. 
Um, then I started working part-time uh, as an entrepreneur. Once I made what I made at my job, that's when I let my job go and I came in full-time. Mm. So, so that transition was, it, 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 thinking back, it was all a blur, but it probably didn't take longer than 11 months for me to actually come into entrepreneurship. Really? Uh, yeah. But it was only because I was looking for it in the situation. You know what I mean? So you've been in business for how long? How long? Since 2008. So over 12, 13 years. So you got got to college, worked a job. It was like, this isn't for me. I'm starting my own business. Yeah. 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 I won't say it was that smooth. You know, I was working with other people. Uh, um, you know, you, you get trained and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I went through that process. Um, so I worked, like I said, I worked part time. So I took it back. I, I started working at Enterprise three months before I came into business because I worked part time for six months. Then I quit and came in full time after that. So it was six months. Yeah. And then a year later, I became a broker and started running my own show. Right. So you became a broker. So the first business you started, is that still the current business that you're running? Correct. And what business is that? Uh, insurance, insurance and investments. So all this came from the life insurance side of business. Um, uh, infinite banking, as a matter of fact, is dealing with life insurance. So for me, that's, that was my introduction. And then I just try to start trying to learn ways to build off of that. Okay. So a lot of people, they hear life insurance and they don't understand the opportunities that are in, in life insurance. Mm-hmm, um, you mm-hmm. kind of break down some things that, are, that they can utilize life insurance for that's not the obvious, not like. Oh, uh, absolutely. Um, I'll say it like this. So we're taught that life insurance, the only benefit from life insurance is when I die, my family benefits. However, life insurance is used as a vehicle to pass on assets for the living and shelter assets for the living as well. In fact, if you were to get licensed, get a life insurance license, there's 52 different ways that you can get paid. That, so let's remove, let's remove selling a policy when someone dies, their family benefits. 52 different ways. Most of that is through um, passing on assets from business to business. Um, you also have business partner protection. You also have retirement protection. You also have, so, so th- those are just examples that people don't realize with insurance. Uh, insurance is one of the only industries where you can use the word guarantee, hmm. right? So with life insurance or with insurance, um, you can get guarantees on your money. We're not taught that, right? Uh, a lot of us don't know that life insurance could be a shelter for your money where your money can grow tax-free and you could pull it out tax-free. A lot of us aren't taught that, right? That might be more common now, but when I started, nobody heard about that stuff. Right. So so I would say those are probably the biggest the biggest two things that most people don't know. Uh, insurance could be used to protect your money, um, shelter your money and pass on your money. And that could all be why you're still living. Mm. So your firm now, it has other people who are like within that company, like you're the, the main broker and you have like sub like agents that work for you. How does that mm-hmm. look? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so basically, I went the route where I have agents working with me as well. So I train agents uh, uh, across the United States to work with me to make sure that we can deliver you know, our service to as many clients as possible. And then we give them the opportunity where they can go out and broker on their own and open up their own shop and work and work their way around as well. Five C's of success. Five C's of success? Yeah. What would be mine? Yeah. Okay. 
five C's. So um, courage, clarity, capacity, mm, change, cooperation. Let's see. I might I might have to change a couple of those though because <laughs> communi- communication is huge. Yeah. Communication is huge. But but courage is the first thing because you can't do nothing without it. And usually courage is spurred because you see something or you believe in something. And that's why that's why I use courage first. Right. Um, Courage, because you have to be able to see or feel something to have the gumption to go after it. Uh, You can't succeed without it. That's my opinion. And the other part that people mistake is courage doesn't mean it's the absence of fear. It's the act of acting in spite of it. Right. So you feel it, but you choose to move forward in spite of. That's why I think courage is so important and so powerful, right? Um, <laughs> you called me on the spot for for the the five C's. I don't remember all the, all the five I said, but I know clarity is one of them. Yeah. Um, I can't speak. I can't speak on clarity enough. Um, the the best analogy I can give you, if you are a marksman and you're shooting at a target, but you can't see what that target looks like. What are the odds of you hitting it, right? But all of a sudden, when that uh, when that target's clear, even if you don't have the right gun to hit that target, at least you know, okay, I shot this gun and it only went that far. Okay, I need to build up a gun to get a better caliber gun so I can now hit the target. See, when you have clarity on a target, you can you can make all the adjustments you need to make. You could you you have an idea of what you're trying to accomplish. See, everything moves. At a, at a completely different speed once you have clarity. And so, um, and clarity is more so of clarity of purpose, clarity of outcome. Doesn't always necessarily mean that you're clear on, on it doesn't necessarily mean that you're always clear on what you're trying to do things for in the moment. For example, I'll, I'll give you a great example. Um, I learned from different books and, and going on my personal development journey that I know that I want to take care of my family. I know that I want to create generational wealth. I know that um, I want to get to a point where if we have a half a million dollars of passive income coming in to the family, that will be a basis for my wife, our, our, uh, 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 our extended family, and our children to where they should be able to have enough to do what they want to do without worrying, right? So I know that. Anything on top of that is extra, and that's what I want to build for for the things that I want to extend. Now, so I know that, but that doesn't mean I know exactly what that would look like today. Does that, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Right? Or, or I know that I want to get that half million dollar passive income for my my wife, children, and, and uh, extended family, but I don't. I may not know what it looks like as far as how that materialize. But I know I want generational wealth for my family, and then I start asking questions and make it clear. And that's how you make clarity, you guys. Um, clarity comes from questions of whatever it is that you're thinking about doing. So if you say you want to retire your mother, when's the last time you asked her how much she needs to retire? How much are her bills a month? Right. These questions develop clarity. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, insurance isn't, it's not the most attractive industry. Um, No, it's not. How do you still manage to get clients, build your clientele base, um, attract new people to work with you? I'm an industry that's kind of like maybe looked over a little bit. Um, you know, because because people are tired of people um, uh, selling snake oil or trying to be slick. I think 
I think the fact that we're willing to tell people, talk to people straight um, and understand and understand people versus trying to sell people. What I mean by that is I'll say, okay, Charles, what are you looking to accomplish? What are the means of you accomplishing that goal now? Like, how, how are you doing that now? If I can help you accomplish those goals because you're not, or I can help you accomplish them faster because you already are, are you open? If they're open, I'm a pose a solution. I'm, I'm not here to, I'm not here to, to be a salesman. I'm here to pose a solution to a problem. And my job is to show you that there are solutions that you may not have thought of. That's why I'm here. I, I have a license because I'm going to bring a solution from an angle that you may not have thought of. Just like Michael Jordan still needs a coach because he he's standing outside the force, looking over the force. So he has a completely different perspective. Whereas Michael Jordan was in the force. You know what I mean? Hmm. So, so a lot of times we are coming at people from a different angle. But then let's, let, let's, let's also be real. When it comes to marketing and things of that nature, people, people love to hear ways that they can make their money grow and leverage their money. Because what do we know about wealthy folks? The, their favorite word is leverage. <laughs> How can I leverage my money or spend other people's money? So now, if that's the case, and so you want to be wealthier, if I can show you to do that with the money that you currently have, would you want to learn more about it? Done. Done. I'm talking to you about solutions first, then I'm telling you about insurance second. I don't walk around saying I'm an insurance man. Mm. I, 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 I'm, I'm a solution guy, right? You just, I just happen to deal in the insurance world, yeah. but I'm here to provide you with solutions, period. Um, outside of insurance, do you sell, I know you said you sell investments. Do mm-hmm. you, is that something you do as well? Or do you focus mostly on insurance? Good question. So I, myself, I focus more on insurance, uh, but as far as the agency is concerned, we have people that have their uh, full investment license and all those type of things. So that if people need that full service. We have the people to help them out with that. Got it. Got it. Mm-hmm. So infinite banking, I've kind of seen it thrown around. I never got a full understanding of the concept. Can you break that down for us? Yeah. Um, so with infinite banking, the, the best way to understand it is we're going to help you become the bank, right? Um, and, and that requires a different mindset. We can't, we, can't, we can't go into infinite banking thinking the same way we did before. And the mistake is a lot of us think as the customer of the bank not as the bank itself. So because of that, if you remain as a customer, there's no way you're going to grasp the concept because what a customer wants versus what a bank wants are two different needs, two different worlds, right? So now let's establish a mindset. The mindset is you are the bank. Second piece is all we're doing is now we're taking your money. We're leveraging insurance companies, not traditional investment firms. We're leveraging insurance companies that will allow us to spend the same dollar twice. How can they do that? When you put your money inside of an insurance account, let's say you have hundred grand. If you have hundred grand inside a savings account at the bank, um, when you borrow 30,000, how much money is left? 70, right? Whereas if we took that same 100,000 and we put it in an insurance policy, a permanent policy, and now you say, okay, I wanna go ahead and borrow $30,000. Here's the first part. You call the company, you're going to say, hey, I want $30,000. They're going to say, okay, why are you in three to five business days? You didn't have to qualify. You didn't get rejected. You didn't have to put up collateral. None of that stuff. So now you have $30,000 cash in your hand. How much is left in your account? $100,000. Not only is it $100,000, but that $100,000 is still earning interest as well. So now you're earning interest on the original principal of 100 grand, but now you also have $30,000 in your hand 
to where you can go and invest that and flip that wherever you want to flip it. So now literally, instead of spending the same dollar twice, you're earning interest on the same dollar in two different locations at the exact same time. Right. Right. So if that's the case, why don't more people do this instead of uh, I mean, yeah, it's like, why don't more people do this? Um, good. That's a great question. So the first reason is because it's not for everybody. Um, uh, being that it's tied to life insurance, you've got to qualify for it. The good news is you don't qualify for it based off of your money. You qualify for it based off your age and health. So that's the first reason. Mm. The second reason is, is that your average agent doesn't know how to set it up. So if we're going to look at the entire industry, I would say 80 to 85% of agents don't know how to do this, right? So if that's the case, that's not going to be a popular thing that's passed around. Uh, so that's the second thing. The third thing is, even for the agents that do know how to do it, technically, you're taking a pay cut if you help somebody do that. And a lot of them don't want to take that pay cut because for the same amount of work, same amount of effort, they could be making more money somewhere else. So they rather stick to the old school stuff. That's the, I, I would say those are the big three. Um, uh you can you can go the other route where mutual funds dominate the industry. So more people are more familiar with Wall Street and all that kind of stuff. So they simply are more familiar with those ways. But but aside from that, those are the big three right there. If you had to go back and give your 18 year old, 18 year old self some advice, what would it be? <laughs> 18. So I would say to uh, my 18 year old self that you're closer than you think you are to a solution. Because at that point, I, I knew what was going on with my parents. I just didn't know. I just didn't know how to fix it. Um, so I would tell myself, you're closer than you think you are to a solution. You have what it takes to find a solution. And you, it's okay to gamble and go for it now. Um, because one quick story behind that. If you're in college now, one thing I can tell you, this, this may not go well with everybody. Where else could you get a loan for that low of an interest? And be able to defer the payment as long as you do to be able to do what you want with it. Think about it. So if you're in college, you get a school loan, you can get an overage on the school loan and you get a refund check. Right. That's what we used to call it when I was on the yard. You get a refund check. Well, instead of spending that on on whatever you spend it on, you use that to open up a business. You can use that to go ahead and do whatever you need to do. So to give you an example, that's the kind of that's what I did when I was 18. Uh, No, I was. 20 when that happened. Um, but at 18, if I if I would if I was paying attention, I would have did it at 18. That way I had four years to figure out how to make money from it. Um, and that's why I said I would have been more aggressive. I would have said you you're closer to the solution than you think you are. Cause at 20, what happened is I was really so I, I I'm in a fraternity, was really big on parties. So one of the things I did is I said, okay, I'm gonna go get a loan. And then I went to one of the buildings downtown and I negotiated to get a building. It was a double story. And what I told them was, I'm an intern working for someone else. So help me get this so they don't fire me and I don't get in trouble. (laughs) So that's the only way they would take me serious because everybody else was like, oh, get out of here, kid. So I did that. Long story short, I negotiated the deal. I did the math. From the parties we were throwing, we were making 10 grand easy. So I'm like, okay. We could make the money back if I rent it out to my uh, frat brothers and all the other fraternities. Then on top of that, I'll get a school loan. I'll I'll, I'll pay that off whenever I pay it off. And um, but I'll have the money for the down payment. Anyway, long story short, uh, I get all the way down to the closing deal. They say, "Okay, yes, let's go ahead and move forward. Do you have the down payment? Yes. So I go to get my refund check. It ain't there. 
what ended up happening is I wasn't aware my uh, my football scholarship got pulled. So the money that was supposed to be a refund went to the payment and I didn't get that money. So then the bill fell through. That's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. You're about to close on so a commercial property. <laughs> bro, I, I, I was going hard. I, I was trying to get it. Uh, because I'm like, dang, we throw parties all the time. How can we make more money from this? Or, oh, or, no. or how can we make it cheaper? The first part was how can we make it cheaper for ourselves so we can make more profit? Then it was how can we make even more money? So that, that's why I would say to my 18-year-old self, just because you're 18 doesn't mean you can't do business and you can't compete with the big boys. You know what I'm saying? Todd Consultant presents the Vending Machine Business Webinar. You can only have one job, but you can have as many vending machines as you want. This is your chance to see how we do business and how you can start your very own vending machine business. Avoid the mistakes we made and start winning. You'll be shown how we find, negotiate, buy, and manage our vending machine business, generating thousands per month, and how it has unlimited scale. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. But uh, what college did you go to? Graduated from UAPB, University of Arkansas, Pine Bluff, HBCU, Golden Lions. We were rocking. (laughs) (laughs) What friend? Uh, the bros, the bros. Uh, for, the, for, the, for, those, like, for those who don't know, for those who don't know, Omega Sci-Fi, Omega Sci-Fi. Everybody on this podcast has been in Omega lately. That's interesting. Really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that that, that means you got to go pop and podcast. Bro. No, That's Chris Senegal. Um, who else? That brother down there in Houston who's building that uh, that Airbnb resort type type deal. Yeah. You know him? I didn't know he was a bro. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I found out while he was on the podcast. <laughs> okay. Cause yeah. you know, you see people on Instagram, but you don't, you know, you don't, you don't know, know them. Right, right, right. Oh, uh, man, where was I going with that? I had some questions. I forgot where I was going. Um, what is one thing about life insurance or just your business or entrepreneurship in general that you didn't expect? Expect. I didn't expect it to be so lucrative. Um, cause I came in just to make a couple extra thousand dollars a month to help out my mom with mortgage. Um, I didn't expect it to be so lucrative. If you look up the, if you look up the stats, financial services, the highest paid industry in the nation, um, and more millionaires are born out of this industry than any other. Mm-hmm. And when I say financial services is, uh, they even break down from there where they get specific about the insurance industry as well. Um, I mean, if you got any kind of work about you, you could make a hundred grand in this industry, regardless of who you work with. It don't matter. You can make a hundred grand in the industry. The only question is, is how do you want to keep the hundred grand? You know, so that's 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 a whole ball game. Um, and so I learned very very quickly. A hundred grand wasn't a lot of money, and it wasn't you know it ain't what everybody makes it out to be. Um, but it for the average person coming in, if the average income is sixty grand and they can make a hundred, well that's that is still help. Right. right. That's help, but it's not a lot of money. Right. It's a good starting point. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. What's a common myth about life insurance? Uh, the older you are, the more it costs. Yep. The older you are, the more it costs. So that is only true if you're getting life insurance for protection. It is not true if you're getting life insurance to utilize it for infinite banking. In fact, if you're older and you're structuring it properly, it can get cheaper. As you get older, a lot of people don't know that though. So, so again, what most of us do is we come into this strategy just from a, um, 
a customer standpoint and a traditional standpoint where we just want insurance so someone else can benefit when we die. Whereas if you, so if you look up a term called BOLI, B-O-L-I, Google that term, you're going to see where banks own life insurance. That's, that's what the term stands for. It's called bank owned life insurance. Um, there's a top five banks. There's over $56 billion worth between those five. But y'all don't have to take my word for it. Google it yourself. Look it up. This is why I say think like the bank, not like the customer. Because see, the other thing is a lot of us get confused on what is a liability and what is an asset. See, we really get mess- messed up with that. The best place to get an understanding from that is rich dad, poor dad, Robert Kiyosaki said, an asset is something that adds money to your pocket. A liability is something that takes money from your pocket. Now, with that mindset, when we put money inside, the, if Chris, uh, excuse me, Charles was to put 100 grand inside of a bank account, is that an asset or liability for the bank? A lot of people don't know. Let's talk savings account specifically. A lot of people don't know. That's a liability because the bank has to pay him interest. So what the banks and the business are doing is taking their liabilities and turning them into assets, right? And then, and then here's the crazy part. Here's the crazy part. How do they turn them into assets? They take that money and they create a loan. So I come to the same bank, say I want a $100,000 loan. They charge me 10%, pay Charles one, they make nine. Call positive arbitrage. That's one. Then two, if you type in Boley in Google and you look that bad boy up, the life insurance that they have is registered under assets, not liabilities. So if it's registered under assets, based off the definition for Robert Kiyosaki, what does that mean? That means they're getting paid from it. They're making money currently. Just put that out there just so people can understand. It's a whole nother ball game. So what, uh, I, met, I, met a, I met a gentleman who uh, is, was a little bit older than myself. And one of the things he used to tell me is, hey, young blood, you're a warrior in your youth. I, 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 what do you say? I've been a warrior from my youth right? There's levels to this game. And when he would say that, you know, I would laugh and be like, you know, that was funny, but he's right. Whatever it is that you think you know now, there's more to it. That's all I want to express to you guys. What's the biggest challenge that you're facing right now in business and how are you tackling it? Um, education, uh, educating clients so that they're not coming to us with a traditional mindset. Um, uh, and the way I'm tackling it is I started tackling social media before, before the, um, pandemic, I had nothing to do with social media. If you look at, if you look at my pages, I was not on social media at all. I had the same, I had the same picture for 10 years. Um, I only checked my Facebook for, for happy birthday posts (laughs) and that was it. Now. Um, uh, I'm at 35,000 followers on Instagram, uh, 90,000 followers on Facebook. Um, I, I, I'm still learning TikTok. Uh, <laughs> and then I have, I got a couple, couple thousand on LinkedIn. So in other words, I'm saying that to say, I, I'm paying attention to that now. And because we're put, constantly putting out more content, people are being educated. So by the time they get to us, they're more open-minded. Yes. So now what's happening is my content is filtering clients before they even get to me. Because now if you look at my content and you don't like it, you ain't even got to call me. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? So so um, uh, educating the client at a massive scale, because before COVID, I had to do that. And so then I had to go through more clients because after the education, there's some would still say no. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, so I was one of the ignorant ones that didn't know the power of social media. Let me say that. 
I didn't know the power of social media. I was ignorant to it. I was stubborn trying to do the old school stuff. That's one. And then two, um, uh, just making sure that I have more agents that are trained to help me handle the volume that's coming in. So we have more clients. We have more clients. We're, we're having more and more clients in uh, from the power of social media. We're having more clients in a week than we had in a month prior to. So, so now if you compound all that, we got to bring in more agents to help manage the, the mess that we made. Good mess, but it's a mess nonetheless. That's dope. You know? That's dope. Yeah. Um, what's the most important lesson that you've learned throughout your career? <laughs> most important. Treating people right. Whether it's clients, whether it's colleagues, whether it's somebody you're not even going to make money from. Doesn't matter. You you don't know what that relationship could amount to later on. Um, I say that because because I've seen people get on their high horse once they started making money, and and when they fell on their face afterwards, it wasn't pretty. Uh, I've seen people turn on other people, uh, uh, and so I just read a quote not too long ago where they talked about, and I'm summarizing. They said, I don't have time to uh, uh, to see if people are true or not. All I can do is just be genuine. And then based on how you react, I treat you accordingly. I'm summarizing, but that's that's basically what it said. And um, I would I would like to say that I've done a good job at that, um, where I've created good relationships. I've created um, no one could say that I treat them unfairly. They might disagree with me. They might have other opinions about things. They may not like some some things that I do, but they can't say that I was uh, rude. They can't say that I was unfair. We can we can we can disagree and we can have a conversation about it, and we might even raise our voices. But I won't disrespect you. You, you see what I'm saying? Right. Right. I, I think there's a difference between disagreement and disrespect. Um, you have a right to disagree. Where 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 men, in this case, we're men. So you have a right to have your own opinion. You have a right to disagree. And I don't have a right to tell you that you shouldn't. But we should be able to conversate behind it, bring up our points, see see what works and what doesn't. Then from there, we go ahead and see, uh, um, are we going to make amends? Are we going to be able to move forward? Are we going to go our separate ways? Um, but respectfully, you know, like I'm going my separate way. Like, but, but I don't agree with this fool, but he... One thing I can say about it, he stands on his. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that. <laughs> right, right. Um, speaking of that, what is one thing about your business or your just the insurance industry that almost no one agrees with you about? Uh, using insurance with investments. Using insurance with investments. See, I think I think people I think people have been programmed so tough about 401ks and IRAs and other traditional routes that they think that there's no other option. And so I want to make sure I make this clear. I'm not against the 401k. I'm against it being the only option. That's what I'm against, right? Um, I am, and not to mention the stats can prove otherwise based on its performance. In contrast to the stats that prove in, in favor for insurance for the longevity of its performance, right? Now, uh, technically speaking, uh, when we're doing stuff like infinite banking, are we using it as in are we using it as an investment? Technically, no, we're not. It's not an investment. But what it is is you can still leverage your money inside the account. You can still average. Let's say um, uh, uh, you could beat out inflation. 
and you could kind of compare yourself to the average of the S&P. Let's be conservative and say that, right? So you could do that, but but check this out. In you doing that, your money can grow tax-free and then you can still pull it out tax-free. Here's what I advise people to do. If your money's going to be in a place, see, here's, here's the competition. A lot of people say, oh, well, I trade stocks, so we, 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 we beef it. No, that, <laughs> that ain't the case. I don't, I'm not against you if you trade stocks. I'm just here to say, what if you could make money in addition to trading stocks? Let me give you an example. When you have your money sitting in a brokerage account, how much money is it earning? None, right? It's, it's just cash. So what if you put that money inside of an infinite bank first, you borrow from your infinite bank. So now that 30,000, going back to that $30,000 example before, you borrow that 30,000, now you invest in the market. So now, even though that money's sitting in a quote unquote earning, technically it is because it's still earning in the insurance policy. So now you're earning a competitive rate of return while you're waiting for the right time to get back in the market. Now you're earning money in two places at the same time. I don't see no problem with that, right? Hassan, I invest in real estate. I don't see no problem with that. Borrow from your account, put it in a bank account, then go ahead and use it to dip into real estate or whatever the case may be. And now you're making money in two places. So that's that's what I that's what I would say. I, if you know how to make money, I'm not here to fight you. If you don't know how to make money and you just, uh, wait, I ain't gonna say that. If you don't know how to make money, I ain't here to fight you. I'm here <laughs> to be an enhancement, right? <laughs> For people who don't know how to make money and don't have money, I ain't got nothing to say. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, how important is mentorship for you? Have you had any mentors in your career? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. I would say that mentorship um, mentorship is everything. And I'll put it to you like this. Uh, uh, so not everybody's fortunate and blessed to be inside of an organization where they can have access to a mentor. Some of us have to pay for a mentor, whatever the case may be. If you have to pay for a mentor, my question to you is, is what is more valuable to you. And what I've learned is the wealthier you get and the wealthier people are, the value is not in the commodity of money, it's in the commodity of their time. It's in their ability to use and manipulate their time how they see fit. When you get a good mentor, what that does is that buys you more time. It saves you money that you didn't have to spend, but more importantly, it saves you years potentially of you banging your head on the brick wall when someone else said, just turn, just turn right. So now you don't have to go through all that stuff. So for me, for example, um, for me, what a mentor did for me is, is it wasn't a hold my hand type of thing. Um, and, and the reason why I'm telling the story is because I don't think a lot of people understand what a mentor is supposed to do. And I'm not going to say I understand fully, but one thing I do know is a mentor is not supposed to be there to hold your hand. And they're not supposed to be there to tell you what you want to hear. They're supposed to be there to tell you what you need to hear to get to that next level. And sometimes it ain't going to be what you want. Make sense? Right. Um, uh, I remember the first time I made 10 grand in a month and, you know, I was, I was in my 20s. So I was like, you know, cool. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm celebrating. My mentor at the time was like, so when are you going to make 50? I said, it wasn't a fact you said, when are you going to make 50? It was more like, why are you celebrating? Because that ain't money. <laughs> and then, and then, like he, like, and then he, like, dug in on me. I'm like, man, who, who, who's this dude? So I, I, I didn't, that didn't feel right at first, but, but, it, but I thought about it, and I said, okay, let me go meet the challenge. No, no, excuse me. He said ten. He said, when are you gonna make twenty? So then I said, okay, let me go meet the challenge. So I, I, I hit twenty. 
Then he said, okay, double it up, uh, go for 50. Cause I, 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 I surpassed 20, hit 25. So he said, go hit 50. And so I was thinking to myself, man, so I was arguing with myself and mad at him for him wanting me to make more money all because I didn't like the way he told me. <laughs> Yo, it's the options trading workshop presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn $20,000 inside money in one year while working the job and running multiple businesses. That's right. Learn the what, the where and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. Uh, and again, to me, there's a there's a difference between being curt and being frank and being disrespectful. Like he didn't say, you're a freaking idiot and you're a loser and all that. He didn't go, he didn't go like that. I mean, he 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 still cut, right? But it wasn't nothing that I, I you know. And I say that because I think a lot of people get really sensitive if people don't say, hey, you're a champion. You did this, but you should do a little bit more. Hey, man, no, you know you should be doing better. You know you got more to offer. Why are you celebrating at such a low level? I expect more from you. Step your game up, right? This is this is how some of them talk. And to be honest, I, I respond well to that kind of talk anyway. It reminded me of football, right? So yeah. So so uh, for me, for me, what, what, what mentorship did is it changed my mindset where I would have gotten comfortable. So if I didn't have a mentor, I probably would have been stuck at 10,000 for a longer period of time, a longer period of time. And because of that, I wouldn't be in a position to be able to take care of my uh, extended family. I wouldn't be in a position to be able to upgrade the life for my children. I, you, you see what I'm saying? So now, uh, based on that, uh, I would say that mentorship more than anything else, there's more things like the skills that I acquired and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, two things that I could point out. Number one, they changed my mindset. And that is, that is more valuable than anything I could ever say. Uh, and then number two, they taught me how to be resourceful and not be no punk. Right. And I say that. And, and what I mean by that is how many people do you know have been a punk because just cause something in front of them, they, they don't go get it. Right. I, people. <laughs> exactly. People. Exactly. They push over, right. They push over because the answer isn't literally right at their fingertips. I was taught how to be resourceful. Yeah. And it was because I was challenged. So what's interesting is football and the frat life. I feel like that has to relate to business as well. Like absolutely principles that you pull out of that as you apply to like uh, your daily life and your business. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Are you, are you a fraternity man too? I'm a stigma. Okay. All right. All right. It, it ain't your fault, brother. It's all good. <laughs> but but I, I still I still show love, you know. Um, but all, all jokes aside, though, let me say this. Um, what I've told people from my experience in my fraternity, if you truly, truly adhere to the principles that you are being taught and you try to live them out versus just have them be rhetoric, you can't be a great uh, uh, you can't be a great Omega man without being a good businessman. You can't be a great Omega man without being a great man in spirituality. And the reason why I say spirituality is because it is a Christian based organization, but there's brothers that are evolving their, their, uh, their spiritual insight to other branches, but the characteristics and the foundational principles still apply. So when you're able when you're able to do things like that, when you're able to, to absorb those and allow them to be a part of you, man, 
you it, it translates directly translates into other areas of your life. One thing for certain is brotherhood, right? The the your ability to build a relationship with other men in a positive manner is also uh, a direct reflection of how you could build relationships in in the business world and maintain success, right? Right. We hear it all the time. Your your net worth is based off your network. Well, you can't do that if you don't know how to network and create relationships and build friendships with people. You know, I learned that from my fraternity. I met people I never would have met. And we found a way to connect with each other. We found a way to network and build with each other. Well, that directly correlates to to um, to business. And here's another side of, of Omegas that a lot of a lot of people don't hear about. When we have to set when we have to be in business, like when we get in business mode and we have to run meetings, the way the meetings are conducted. That's a bit. That's a business meeting. Yeah. That's a business meeting, and I can only speak for my fraternity because that's all I know. But but if anybody else relates to that, then so be it. But again, now that's something that I would tell myself if, if I were to go back, I'd be like, "Hey, Asani, don't take this for granted because this directly correlates to a big. This ain't this ain't no business skills. This is big business skills, seven figure, eight figure business skills. You could make a lot of money from this. Keep this tradition up, right?" So, so absolutely that correlates. Um, and then, and then just the willingness to, to, uh, go after something and have a goal. Um, I experienced that in my fraternity. I experienced that in my, in football, uh, all that translates to all that translates over to uh, a business. In my opinion, what position did you play in football? I played corner. You played corner. And, yes, uh, after you were done with college, did you try to pursue anything after that? Um, so, so, uh, I got sick when I graduated and I was like, oh man, I missed the, the trials or whatever. So it ain't going to work. And then I went to, I, I, I went straight into work. Then as I was working, I met people from the 49ers. Then I met people cause I, was, I said, okay, fine. I'll just train with the Sabercats and I'll get myself ready. Then I'll go to the NFL. Um, well, when I graduated, arena league got canceled. There was no more arena league. Um, um, I, had, it was too late for me to go to the Canadian league. And so I just started working so I could hurry and make some money. Then, then I met some people. So some of my, some of my clients earlier on were people who retired from the 49er organization. And they were like, you're still young. You, you could, you could make it. The attitude I had when I was younger was I, I'll go try out because I ain't got nothing to lose. People think I'm skinny. I'm small anyway. So who cares? Right. But to be honest with you, I, I didn't I didn't pursue it because uh, I said, dang, I got it. I don't know about you, but for me, it was the thought of getting back into sports mode, getting fit again and all that kind of stuff. I was thinking about that and I was thinking about how I was making money and it was working for me at the time. And I'm like, dang, for me to stop this and then go do that and try to build that momentum. I don't know. And so I, I just I just I just stayed on the track that I was on. Interesting story. It's dope that it all worked out for you. It's 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 rare that we talk to people these days that have been an entrepreneur since like pretty much a decade. Yeah, longer than a decade. Most people are pandemicpreneurs. Um, but you've been doing yeah, it for a while. Yeah. So I mean, I think people get a ton of value from this conversation. Three quick wrap-up questions. The first question is what's your favorite business or investing book? Business or investing book. Uh, there's so many. Uh, one, one that I think is the most important that a lot of people can learn from is the E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Uh, because that's what teaches you how to work on your business versus in your business. And that's how you evolve yourself from a self-employed. So for the cash flow quadrant, 
That's how you evolve yourself from a self-employed to the business owner. Learn from the ebook. Um, what's your favorite podcast I mean, these days? Favorite podcast? Mm. I've been listening to a lot of EYL. I've been listening to a lot of, of uh, Marketing Secrets by Russell Bunk. I, I think that's what it's called. Well, Russell Brunson or Russell, the guy who founded ClickFunnels. ClickFunnels, yeah. Uh, I listen to, I, I, I've been listening to a lot of his. Yeah. Um, so for me, the pandemic made me learn more about marketing in a way that was not just walking around face to face, meeting, meeting, greeting, and all that kind of stuff. So I had to get more familiar with digital marketing. So I've been very intentional about that. And then people's courses. That's that's I've been I've been listening to people's courses. Yeah. What does wealth mean to you? Wealth is time. If you were to no longer work, how much time do you have before you have to go back to work? Yeah. Um, see, I, I can say that I make a million bucks, but if I stop working today and I have to go back to work in a year, the million dollars wasn't worth anything. You see what I'm saying? Yep. Um, uh, so wealth to me is time. And the, and the question becomes, how much time could you buy so that your family could pursue higher, higher achievements in life? Um, and then go into business because they choose to, not because they need to, right? Uh, I don't want to steal the fire from them because we're not going to steal the fire because they're still going to be, they, they still got to learn how to fish, right? But there's going to be, uh, there's going to be other reasons why they get into it. And, and, and I'm, 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 I'm going to end it with this. When you look at civilizations, when it's a time of war, um, usually what you've seen is, is education has gone down and innovation is low. Collectively speaking. So, so, so now, but when, when people are at peace, education up, innovations up. So in my world, in my mind, I'm saying, okay, how can my family be a microcosm of the macro where we're not in survival mode anymore? War. We're not in survival mode anymore. So now we're at a, mo uh, we're at a, a level of thriving. So now once we're at a level of thriving, how do I increase education so I can increase my children's innovation? And then they take it to levels I, I couldn't. So now I don't steal their, their, I don't steal their drive. They don't become weak. They don't become pansies or nothing like that. Um, you know, that's the nicest word I could think being that we're public. Uh, but, 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 but now even though we're making money and we're doing better, there's still something for them to go get something and go do something, you know? Because I think that's the biggest fear that a lot of people have. Yeah, um, the reason why I am where I am is because I had nothing before. So I don't want to give my kids nothing. It's not true. Right. Not true. I 100% disagree with that. I would ask you to expand on that. Because um, I think that's an interesting thought that I think a lot of people don't talk about. Um, could you give us a brief little quill on that? Okay. Um, have you heard of J.P. Morgan Chase? Yes. Uh, he became so who he is is a reflection. His father already had money. He became bigger than his father. J.F. Kennedy, he came from a family with money. He became bigger, right? So, so when we're looking at all these examples, oh, here, here's another example. Um, we could talk about, so now let's go into antiquity, right? Uh, there's a there's a ruler by the name of uh shoot, Taharka. Um, there's a ruler by the name of Amenhotep the third, 
all these people were conquest rulers and they and they brought riches up for their for their uh, for their empires but the thing is they still came from royalty so that's proof that just because you come from money doesn't mean you're soft mm. you see what i'm saying right we have examples of 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 see in our community what's happened is because we're dealing with oppression then we're using that as our strength to to stand up which is fine but we could also look at examples in history where we weren't oppressed and we still succeeded and we still did well. And, and uh, I can, I can, I can go down a list of people and show you who that, who that is. Yeah. So, um, but I, I, I'm, I'm going to respect your time. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That was good. That's one of, that's one of the things that I've said for a while. Um, we've talked about, I mean, the Bill Gates, a lot of these guys, they came from wealthy families or at least. Wealthy that's true. Families. That's true. That's true. Uh, Bill Gates is a great example. So just know you don't got to make your kids struggle in order for them to be hungry and driven. Um, 100%. What sets apart successful people from those who give up, fail, and never get started? Successful people from those who fail or never get started? Right. Or like successful business people, successful marketers, successful life insurance agents, successful entrepreneurs. Um, I would say the willingness to fight until they win. Uh, I think most people give up too soon, um, too quick. And, and uh, yeah, they, that's, that's the first thing. The second thing is, is a lot of them have a reason to fight, whether it's to prove someone wrong, whether it's to prove someone right, whether it's to save somebody, they have more for them than the next person. Usually people who quit too soon, it's because they don't have a, they don't have a real drive. And it's not because they're not driven. It's just they don't have something that they're really fighting for. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I've that's what I've seen. That's interesting. So it kind of actually goes back to the to the thing in the beginning is like maybe the reason why someone who comes from good circumstances does well is because they want to show them that they can do something, too. And the only way to do that is to really outdo what you come from. You don't want to just live in somebody's shadow your whole life. Look, and, and let's take it one step further. A lot of people think that of the biggest motivator is having nothing. No, that's a more common motivator. That's a more co- that that's different. A bigger motivator is people. If I were to ask majority of people listening today to close their eyes and think about someone they care about, you'll generate more feelings. More of us will generate more feelings that we will act upon than just I ain't got nothing, so let me go do something about it. Try to take a broke mo- woman's kids and see if she don't try to kill you. Try to take a rich woman's kids and see if she don't try to kill you. The economic status don't matter. What they'll do for others does. Now, is that everybody? No, but that's more common for the human being, right? What we're willing to do for others in the name of others, right? Whether that's for the people that exist now, the people that exist in the past, or the people that will exist. A lot of gems, a lot of really insightful things. I can't wait to chop this up and turn it into reels, get it all over the cram. Yes, My last sir. question for you is where can they find you, follow you, support, they have going, or support what you have going on? Say that one more time. I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. Where can they find you? Where can they follow you? And where can oh. they support what you have going on? Yes, yes, yes. So um, uh, thank you for asking. So you can find me on, on Instagram at hzhouston12. Um, and basically, that's the same tag is also on TikTok. Twitter. And then uh, you can also find me on Facebook, just Hassani Houston. But um, uh, basically, when you do that, you could click on my link in the bio. We have some playbacks that you can buy to learn more about infinite banking because we just did the surface here today. 
Um, uh, we didn't get into too much detail, but if you go to my page, I have a link where it's free. You could go look at the video. It'll tell you what infinite banking is, how to use it. Then uh, what I specialize in when it comes to infinite banking, y'all, I just don't want to teach you how to use infinite banking or I don't, I don't want to just teach you what infinite banking is. I want to teach you how to make money from it, and how to use it. So let me show you how to expand your business. Let me show you how to invest in other assets. Let me show you how to do all these things with infinite banking. All nope. right. We'll have all that link inside the show notes. We'll have all that. I'm also clicking link in his bio. I'm sure he has everything there for you. Make sure you yes, guys sir. get that free game. That's a lot of free information that you're not getting. Um, but if you go to his page, you can get access to that. A lot of stuff ain't just giving out the free game. So he is. So take advantage of that. Um, that's another episode of Millionaire Podcast. You know, I'm kind of sick right now, but we made it through. What, what were you going to say? One last thing, brother. One last thing. We are looking for a couple other licensed agents, though. We're not accepting everybody. We don't want too much, too much others. If you're not licensed, we can help you get licensed. If you're already licensed, we can talk to you, see if you qualify to work with us. Uh, but we, we don't accept everybody because you got to qualify to work with our firm. So they do a background check and all that kind of stuff as well. But uh, that is something that we are. Well, I told you all earlier, we got a good problem. So <laughs> we're looking for more people to help us out. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good thing. Uh, episode, I don't know, because we stopped counting. We just be putting them out every day. But you can find us on YouTube. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on the podcast app. We out here. My name is Charles Ogilvy. Also, the Child Millionaire. We're signing off. <laughs>